Lord, we're going to be reminded today of some really exciting news that, that your return to this earth for your church is imminent. It's the next major event on the prophetic calendar. And Lord, we can all look forward to your coming very, very soon. The, we look around, we look at what's going on in our world, and we can't help but be reminded, Lord, that, that the end is near, that the time is short. So, Lord, today as we look at this passage, uh, show us how we can be ready for your return and, and uh, show us uh, how uh, if we, we don't know you as, as uh, our Lord and Savior, how we can be born again, Lord, because time is short. Uh, we're excited, Lord, that, that uh, your return is near. We, it might be a, a few years, it might be a hundred years, but it's near, Lord, and we know that. And, and, Lord, we all face your return in, in one form or fashion because, Lord, when we die, we will meet you immediately because to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And so, Lord, we, we just thank you for the glorious we hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I help, help, help me to articulate that hope uh, and to show us just how we can be ready for your return uh, as we look at this passage in 1 Thessalonians. I just ask for your spirit to bless our study. And I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen. When I was a little boy, long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. Actually, it wasn't in a galaxy far away, but it was a long, long time ago. But when I was a little boy, there wasn't much for kids to watch on TV. And we didn't have video games. And so when all of the relatives got together... Uh, we would play some sort of game. And one of the games that we used to love to play or we would play was, was a game called hide and seek. I'm sure some of you might have played that game in your days too. Well, one day we were playing the game. I uh, was at my grandmother's house and all the cousins were there. And it was getting dark, really dark. It was, it was, it was, it was dusk and and uh, we really shouldn't have been playing the game, but we started a game of hide and, hide and seek, and my cousin was, was it, and so uh, he began to count, covered his eyes and began to count to 20, and uh, everybody began to run, and I didn't know where to go because he knew all my hiding places. And so uh, all of a sudden I heard him shout, ready or not, here I come, and I just panicked and began to run. Well, my grandmother had this signpost in her yard, this black signpost that blended perfectly into the dark horizon. And it was just the right height. When I was running, I hit it head on. It knocked me out. When I woke up, I was bleeding from the head and uh, ended up going to the doctor and getting 10 stitches. So that was pretty stupid and pretty painful experience. But it's not nearly as stupid or as painful as it's going to be for those people who are not ready when the Lord comes. And that day is rapidly approaching. The day of the Lord. It could begin at any moment. When, effect, when in effect, the Lord will say, ready or not, here I come. And if you're not ready, you're going to be in deep, 
deep trouble as he begins to judge the sin and the sinners of this wicked, wicked world in which we live. And that's the message that we're going to be looking at as we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We begin to look at this concept of the rapture last week, but we're going to continue on in, in chapter 5 beginning down in verse number 1. So, so go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and we'll be picking up in verse number 1. And look at what he says right away. He says, but concerning the times and seasons, the times and seasons for what? For the return of the Lord, for the day of the Lord. Brethren, you have no need that I should write you concerning this. I mean, you, you ought to know whether or not you're living in the times and seasons, seasons of the coming of the Lord. How do we know? Well, I'll tell you, the number one way you know, you know deep down in your heart. I mean, I don't know about you, but down in my heart, something tells me that the return of the Lord is very, very near. That he could come at any moment. He could come before I finish this sermon. As I said last week, he, I think he likes my sermon, so he's not going to come until <laughs> it's over. I hope he likes my sermon anyway. I'm just joking. But it, he could. He, he, he could come at any, any moment. And, and, and we know that down in our hearts. You know, the world knows that things are spinning out of control and that, that the end is near. Look at all of the apocalyptic secular material and movies and things like that that you see in this world today. People know deep down inside that the time for the coming of the Lord or what they see as the apocalypse is very, very near. Well, Jesus told us, remember in the Olivet Discourse, and we're going to be looking at this over and over again as we go into the book of Revelation and as we look at these, these prophecies, but remember what he told us. He said there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famines and, and uh, earthquakes and, and uh, pestilence in diverse places, and there will be all sorts of these things, and you'll see these things happen more and more <clears throat> as the return of the Lord nears. Paul talks about in 1 first, in first and 2 Timothy how the church will become apostate in the last days. And when we looked at 1 Peter and we looked at 1 John, we saw just how apostate the organized church has become. Uh, Jesus said the love of many will wax cold. I mean, you know, our society is marked by... by the fact that we're unloving people. I mean, you just don't see much love out there anymore. I mean, people talk about love, and everybody talks about how they love this and they love that, or they love this person, they love that person. But the love of many has waxed cold. I mean, I mean that's why the divorce rate is so high in America. That's why there's so much theft, there's so much murder, because there's no love. And, 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 we, we see this uh, permeated throughout our entire society. Immorality. You know, the, the, the last days will be marked by this, this gross immorality. Look at the immorality in the world when what's, what's right is called wrong and what's wrong is called right. And then, uh, then one of the marks that we know that we're in the last days is that the nations are going to align against Israel. Well, there wasn't even an Israel till 1949 for 2,000 years. But now that nation has been reborn. 
And look at how the nations, read Ezekiel 38 and look at the nations that align against Israel. And that alliance with Iran and Russia and Syria is in the news every day. And so let me tell you, the, the end is near. And I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm telling you that because we might fly away at any moment. Now, there's scary times ahead for this world, and maybe there's some scary times ahead for us before the Lord comes. But, hey, I've got a hope, and that's what we're going to see in this text. Look at verse number 2. He says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord could come as a thief in the night. Now, first of all, we've got to establish what the day of the Lord is because a lot of, there's a lot of confusion about what the day of the Lord is, and I've done this a few times, so, so bear with me if you've heard this before. Uh, but anyway, we know that the day of the Lord is something more than just the great tribulation. Some people say the day of the Lord is the great tribulation. Some people will narrow it down to the, to the battle of Armageddon, and they'll say that's the day of the Lord. But if you re- study the prophets, the day of the Lord is much, much more. I mean, the Armageddon and the great tribulation are part of the day of the Lord, but they don't encompass all the day of the Lord. When does the day of the Lord begin? When does it begin? It begins with the rapture of the church. That is the next main event on the prophetic calendar, the rapture of the church. And then after the church is raptured, what happens? The world enters into the great tribulation because the church age is over, the church is out of here, and God begins to deal with the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel is going to, uh, the world is going to come against the nation of Israel, not as if it hasn't already done that. But you can see all of that being set up right now. So then we'll go into the Great Tribulation. At the end of the Great Tribulation, Jesus Christ will return with his saints to this earth to rule and reign for a thousand years in the millennium. That thousand years of the millennium is part of the day of the Lord. And then after the, at the end of the millennium, the mankind will rebel again against the Lord. That rebellion will be immediately put down and we will enter eternity on a, in a new heaven and a new earth. And that's part of the day of the Lord. So, so what is the day of the Lord? Well, one way to put it is it's the day when the Lord, uh, it's the time period in which the Lord takes total charge of this earth. He takes total control over the affairs of this earth. That's the day of the Lord. Now, don't get me wrong. God's on his throne right now. And in some ways, he's in charge now. But he does give man his freedom. And mankind has, a freedom, has the freedom to serve the Lord or to serve the devil or to serve themselves. When they're serving themselves, who are they serving? They're serving the devil. Right now, if you look on at, at the politics of this world, who, who, who are we serving? We're serving the devil. But God is still on his throne, and he only allows mankind so much of a leash, uh, or otherwise we would destroy ourselves overnight. And so he's still, I can still rest in the fact that I know that the Lord is in control, but he has given us the freedom to rule ourselves to some degree, to serve either him or to serve the devil. But the time is coming when the Lord is going to have had enough of the wickedness of mankind, enough of the wicked rule of mankind. And at that point, he's going to rapture his church out of here. He's going to 
exercise his wrath, which we call the great tribulation on this world, and then he's going to return and he's going to take total charge. We're told in Revelation chapter 2, verse 27, that he shall rule with a rod of iron. What's that mean? That means that truth and righteousness will rule on this earth whether we like it or not. It's gonna, that's the way it's going to be. I'm going to like it. And I think everybody that's left here is going to like it. But it's going to be a rule where, where wickedness is not allowed in any form or fashion. That people live in truth and honor and integrity and in service to the Lord. And uh, that time begins, that time we call the day of the Lord, begins with the rapture of the church. And so that means that at any moment, any moment, in a twinkling of the eye, the Lord could shout, he could call for his church, and you and I will meet him in the air. Just like a thief in the night. He could come at any moment, just like a thief in the night. Now, a thief comes in the night. Do you think a thief's coming? How many of you think a thief's going to rob your house tonight? None of you think that. If you thought a thief was robbing your house while you were sitting here, you'd be home stopping the thief or you'd be calling the police. You'd be doing something about it. But the Lord's going to come like a thief in the night when you least expect him to come. We looked at that passage last week and we heard the Lord say this in Matthew chapter 24. Listen to what he says. He says, watch therefore, be ready, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming for you. But know this, he could come at any time. If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allow his house to be broken into. In other words, he would have been ready. And, and then the Lord concludes that by saying in verse number 44, he says, therefore, you also be ready. Because the Lord could come at any moment. He, he's not a thief. He's coming for, for good things. But we need to be ready and prepared because the Lord could come at any moment. For the Son of Man, he says, is coming at an hour you do not expect. You know, we can all say, how many of you expect the Lord to come this hour? Do you expect one? We have one. It's always Cecil. <laughs> I don't, I might say that. Could, I, I believe the Lord could come at any moment. But I don't expect him to come at any moment. If I didn't expect him to come at any moment, if I expect him to come in this next hour, we would all be on our knees in prayer waiting for his coming. And when we, went, and when we got out of here, if, we, if he didn't come before we got out of here and we thought he was coming today, we'd go home and continue to pray. We'd, do, we'd be doing whatever we could to serve him. We would be ready. And so he's going to come when we least expect him. How do we get ready for him? How do we watch and get ready for the Lord? And that's what Paul's going to show us here in, in the rest of this uh, passage we're going to look at in, in 1 Thessalonians. But, but, but he's not going to show us this. And there's one thing you've got to have, first of all, to be ready for the coming of the Lord. You've got to know the Lord in a relationship. You have to be saved. You have to be born again. If you're not born again, when the Lord comes you're going to be left behind. You're, when he comes for his church, you're going to be left here. Now, you might get saved in the great tribulation, but that's not the way you want to do it. You want to get saved before that. And you must be born again. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless a man or woman be born again, they shall not see 
the kingdom of heaven. And, and when you're raptured, you're taken to heaven. So you, you, if, if you don't get born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. And I emphasize, I, I don't say if you call yourself a Christian, you're going to get raptured because there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians who aren't going to be raptured. You must be born again. Well, pastor, how do I get born again? I simply put my faith in Jesus Christ for my for, for the salvation of my sins, for my salvation. I put my faith in his righteousness, not my own righteousness. And then when I do that, I'm born again. Well, how do I know I'm born again? Let me tell you what, if you're born again, you know it. If you're here today and you don't know that you're born again, let me tell you something. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm telling you this to warn you. If you don't know you're born again, you're not born again. I mean, people who say, well, I don't, I, you know, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe everything about Jesus Christ, but I don't know whether or not I'm born again. I immediately tell them, I might get them mad at me, but I say, you're not born again? I've told some close relatives of, of mine that very thing. You're not born again. I'm not judging you. I'm trying to warn you that you're not born again. Because when you're born again, when you're truly saved, the Spirit of God comes and dwells in your heart and soul. And you can't walk around not knowing that. You know it when the Spirit of God is in you because He changes you. He turns you into a new creation. You're not the old creation. He gives you a love for His Word. He gives you a, a desire to pray. He gives you a desire to fellowship together in church. I mean, if you don't have those things, then you're not born again. You can't help but know it when the Spirit of God lives in you. So the first thing, look, to be ready for the coming of the Lord, you must be born again. And I'm going to tell you right now, if he comes in the next hour, if he comes today and you're not born again, and I'll tell you, he's coming soon. He's coming really soon. And when he comes, if you're not born again, you're going to be left here. Now, probably those of you who are here, what you're hearing today, if you're not born again, and we get, we're out, well, you come next week and there's nobody here, you're probably going to want to get born again real quick. But I got news for you, you're going to spend seven years during the Great Tribulation here. You're not going to the wedding supper of the Lamb. You can still get born again, but it's not going to happen before the rapture, and there's only one rapture. So you want to be ready. Well, the next way that Paul's going to show us that we're going to be ready, he's going to show us that, that, uh, we're to walk in the light. We're to be walk in the light because we're children of the light. If you're born again, you've been given the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is light. And so you walk in the light. So to be ready, you need to walk in the light. And that means that you live soberly and awake. Now, you sleep sometime, but you're awake to the world and what's going on in the world. You know, when I see all the terrible things that are going on in this world, it's, it's very distressing at times, but it's also very exciting to me. Because every time I see something really terrible happen in this world, I realize that we're moving closer and closer to the coming of the Lord, and I'm going to be out of here soon. So I live awake, and I live soberly. I live soberly. Uh, uh, I walk in the light. I live soberly. And then he's going to tell us that we, we put on the breastplate of faith. In other words, we rest in the Lord. No matter how bad things get in this world, 
we've got to rest in the fact that the Lord still loves us and the Lord is going to take care of us. And so we have this helmet of hope that we wear. I mean, no matter what happens in this world, I have a hope. It's not wishful thinking that I have. I have a real hope that the Lord is going to return soon and that he's going to take me to be with him. If somebody, no matter what happens to me, even if I were to die, if I were to be killed, then I'm going to be with the Lord, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And so I have this hope. And so I have this hope. And then the other way we get ready is by comforting and edifying one another in the things of the Lord. That's what Paul's going to show us here. So, so pick up with me in verse number three now. And I want you to watch the pronouns here. Those who say there's no rapture, I want you to watch these pronouns very carefully in verse number three. He says, for when they say peace and safety, when they, who's the they? Those who aren't born again, those who aren't going to be raptured. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Does sudden destruction come upon us? No, because we're not the they. We're not the them. We're the children of God. And as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they, they, who's the they? Those who don't know the Lord. They shall not escape the wrath of God to come. Now, if they will not escape, what's that tell me? I will escape because I'm not they. I'm not they, I'm not them, I'm a child of God. Now, what it, it's absolutely amazing to me, and we, we talked about being awake and being sober. But when I look around this world, I see trouble everywhere. I mean, I see trouble. I, I, you know, we're like the last man standing here in the United States, and the United States has gotten really bad. But go to Europe and look how bad things are. I was in Belgium a few weeks back, and uh, not Belgium, but in Amsterdam a few weeks back, and half of that, everywhere I went, there were Muslims everywhere. They, by the year 2020, the Netherlands will be over 50% Muslim. London is 45% Muslim. I mean, the, all of Europe is turning Muslim. It's turning very, very dark over there. And then you see what happened in Manchester this past week, Manchester, England, and you saw that terrorist attack. And you know what I heard somebody say? Well, we're just going to have to get used to these things. We're just going to have to accept the fact that we have terrorists among us and that some of them are wanting to kill us, and some of them are going to bomb us. We just have to get used to this. And, I, and, I, and what really bothers me is that there's people who stick their head in the sand. There's people right here in America, we've got our heads stuck in the sand, and we think we're living in peace and we're living in safety when all, you know what's about to break loose on this world. There's powder kegs everywhere. There's powder kegs right here in the United States. We're on the verge of anarchy in the United States. And so Paul says here, he says in verse number three, he says, for when they, they who are not awake, 
They who really don't see what's going on, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. On, who's it come upon? Us? Upon them. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. I don't say anybody in their right mind right now could say peace and safety. Some do. Some people are starting to wake up to this, even people who aren't saved. They say, this world's in deep, deep trouble. But there's going to come a time. There's going to come a time when there really is peace and safety on this earth. It's going to come two times. Let me give you the two times. One, one time is going to be shortly after the rapture. Shortly after the rapture of the church, some great catastrophic events are going to take place on this earth, and there's going to become a one-world government, and there's going to become a one-world leader, and that one-world leader is going to make a peace treaty with Israel. He's going to make a peace treaty that's going to last, uh, cover the entire world, and people are going to think, man, finally, peace and safety. And they're going to say, peace and safety has arrived. But when in, in actuality, the great tribulation has begun. And in the middle of that three and a half years, that covenant is going to be broken. And the world is going to go into a time of tribulation such as it's never seen. Wars and, and famines and earthquakes and things like we've never seen. All of those terrible things that we've seen up until them are just a precursor of what's going to happen in, when that great tribulation begins. And it's going to be really bad. But look at what he says in verse number four. But you, brethren and sisters, you are not in the darkness. You're not a them. You're not a they. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. Jesus, when he talked about the terrible time that was going to come upon this earth during the great tribulation, listen to what he said. He said in Luke 21, he says, pray that you be worthy to escape these things. Pray that you will be worthy to escape these things. Well, let me tell you how you escape them. You're not of darkness. You're of light. You're a born-again believer. That's how you escape them. What makes me worthy to escape the great tribulation? Because I'm a pastor? Well, I, I hope so. And, but I don't for your sake because there's only one pastor here. No, it, it, being a pastor doesn't make you worthy. Being in the children's ministry doesn't make you worthy. Being a, a, a person of integrity doesn't make you worthy. Let me tell you what makes you worthy. The blood of Jesus Christ. He made him who was to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might have what? The righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That you've got to have the righteousness of God to see heaven. You must be born again. And if you have the righteousness of God, then you're worthy to escape the great tribulation. You're not of darkness. He said, but you, brethren, are not in darkness. You're not of darkness. You're of light. You're children of light. Your lamp is lit by the Spirit of God. If you're not a born again, you don't have the Spirit and you're none of His. Now, how, how can I get the Spirit? I receive Jesus Christ into my heart. I receive Jesus Christ. I receive the work of Jesus Christ, and I'm, I'm sealed with the Spirit of God. And my lamp is lit. And when my lamp is lit, I'm not walking in, in darkness. I'm walking in a dark world. But I'm not walking in darkness anymore. I'm walking 
in light because God who is light dwells in me. But verse number five, you are all sons and daughters of light. You're sons and daughters of light and sons and daughters of the day. Look, we live in the night. We live in a dark, dark, dark world. But that's not who we are. We're not part of this world. If you're part of this world, if you love this world, the love of the Father's not in you because the Father is light and this world is dark. And you know when you're living in the dark. And you know when you have the light. The reason I got those 10 stitches in my head that day playing, that night playing hide and go seek was that it was dark and I couldn't see the obstacle in order to dodge it. There are a lot of people who are living life in darkness and they don't see the terrible obstacles that are ahead, that are approaching in the form of the judgments of God. But when they finally do see them, it's going to be too late. It's going to be like me hitting that sign. It's going to be too late. It's too late once the rapture occurs. It's too late once these events begin to unroll. But those who are born again, we live life in the light. We play the game of life in the light. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We walk by the spirit of God who is in us, who is light. And we see those dangers ahead. And we watch for the coming of the Lord. And we know the Lord, the one who's going to deliver us. We know him as our Lord and Savior. I mean, if you can't see the trouble ahead, let me tell you what, if the Lord doesn't come back in the next century, there's still a lot of trouble ahead. You're, you're living in the darkness. You're living in la-la land. You're not living in reality. One of the things that happened to me when I got born again, I was awakened to reality that this place is a lot worse than I thought it was, that there are powers to be. One of the things that led me to getting to save, I saw some of the, these powers in action, some of these demonic powers, and they're everywhere, and they've taken over this earth. This earth has become a haunt for every evil spirit. We see that in Revelation. And America, which was kind of the, again, like the last country standing, this light on a hill, it's getting very dark here now, and I can see that happening before my very eyes. And that should scare me to death. But it doesn't scare me to death because I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the light, and I walk in the light as he is in the light. Therefore, verse number 6, because we're children of light, let us not sleep as others do. Now, he's not talking about, I like my sleep, so he's not messing with my sleep here. He's talking about living in the world awake to the danger of this, uh, dangers of this world, to the opportunities of this world, to, 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 to the opportunity to serve the Lord and to serve others, to help others get saved. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. We watch. We watch. Of all people, we watch. We get up in the morning 
And one of the first things we think about, could this be the day that the Lord comes for his church? Could this be it? It could be. It very well could be. We're close to that day. And so we watch. And we're, Jesus put it like this in Luke 21. He said, when you see these things on the horizon, when they begin to, when darkness begins to take over, when these things begin to come to pass, look up. And lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. I mean, the darker the things, the darker things get on this earth, the closer we are to the return of the Lord. And so we should be watching. We should be watching. We should be watching. We, we're to live our life. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you to go buy you a bomb shelter and go hide in it by any means. You got to live your lives. But you got to watch. You got to watch. Because the Lord could come as a thief in the night. He could come at any moment. His return is imminent. And not only that, we're to live soberly. Soberly. We're to live soberly. Everybody got that? That means we're not to be drunk all the time. Now, he's talking about alcohol here, but he's also talking about some other things. There's some people who live their life drunk on alcohol. There are others who live their life drunk on power, who live their life drunk on material possessions, who live their life drunk on sports, drunk on entertainment. There's a lot of things you can make yourself drunk on. And you're going to be ashamed at his coming if you're not watching for him. If I'm watching for him, if I really believe that he's coming... I'm longing for the Lord's return, and I want to be as close to the Lord as I possibly can get when he comes. I don't want to be drunk on the things of this world. I want to be sober. And they go hand in hand. If you're truly watching, you're going to be sober. I mean, God wants us to enjoy our lives. Again, don't get me wrong. You can watch TV. You can watch sports. You can do those kind of things. But there's a lot of people who make those things their God, and they're under the influence of those things, and that's all they think about. And, I, and I, I'm afraid when we're like that, we're, we're in danger because if we're children of light, we should see all the things that are coming. We should see, take advantage of all the opportunities. We should be preparing ourselves for the coming of our Lord. If we're not preparing ourselves, we don't give a flip about the Lord. And if we don't give a flip about the Lord, we're not born again. It's as simple as that. And I don't care what we call ourselves. If I have the Spirit of God in me, there's something pressing on me telling me the Lord's coming soon. It's a person. It's him telling me that. I'm coming soon, George. Watch. Be sober. Be ready. Be about my business. Be about getting to know me more and more because soon you're going to see me face to face. You know, I don't want to bore you with the subject of my dad, but my dad's at 90, when he was 90, he realized he didn't have any more years on this earth. You know, you think sometimes at 67, you're going to live forever. When you're 90, you know it's short. He spent the last five years of his life getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and spending two hours in devotion to the Lord. And he, when he, what he told me, he said, you know, the rapture might not occur in my lifetime, and it didn't, as it turned out. 
but very soon I'm going to go and be with the Lord. You know, there's people in this room right here. Well, maybe not. But it's possible there's some of you in this room that won't be here this time next year. Very possible for me. I won't be here this time next year. I need to be sober. I need to be watchful. Because the same thing that happens in the rapture is going to happen to me if I pass on to be with the Lord. I mean, we talked about it last week. Most of the church, where's most of the church today? It's already with the Lord. And we want to be ready to go and be with the Lord. So we need to be sober. But listen to me. Don't confuse being sober with being somber. To be, the, the word somber means to have, a, to have a gloomily dark attitude. I know a Christian, I know of Christians, I know a lot of Christians who live like they're sucking lemons all the time. Roy loved lemons, but he didn't live like that. But I watch him eat a whole lemon. I mean, I mean, how do you do that? I mean, but people have the attitude, a sour attitude. And that's a, that's a, that's a terrible thing. We're not, we're not to have sour attitudes. We have all people. We should be the happiest people on this earth because we have a great hope. The worse things get, let me tell you what, the better things are about to get for us. The wor- I mean, if the great tribulation begins tomorrow, look, I'm sorry, world, but hey, I'm glad I'm going to be out of here. And I'm going to be in glory where everything's right, where everything's true, where everything's perfect, where everything's glorious. I'm going to be there. And so I don't live gloomily. Uh, I live with a great hope. Because... If you're a born-again believer, you have the spirit of God. You have the spirit of light. And, you, and the spirit of light is joy. And the spirit of light is peace and hope. Verse number seven, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who are drunk are drunk at night. What's he saying right there? Look, look at that verse again. What he's saying is if you're drunk and asleep, you're living in the dark. If you're drunk and asleep and you're a believer, let me tell you where you're living. You're not living in the light. You're living in the dark. And when the end approaches, you're not going to see it coming. And it's going to hit you right between the eyes, just like I hit that sign. It's going to come at you just like that sign came at me. I didn't see it coming. And the great tribulation is going to come just like that. Or some disease is going to come upon you just like that. Some accident is going to come upon you just like that. And if you're, if, you, if you're a child of light, when those things come at you, you say, hey, so what? The worst thing that can happen to me is to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. But if I'm drunk and I'm living in the, in, in the dark, I'm not going to see those things coming. And then he says in verse number eight, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith. What's the breastplate of faith in this context? What's, I mean, we could talk about faith uh, for the next 10 years and not cover the subject uh, fully. So when he talks about the breastplate of faith, he's talking about you wear the faith, the faith in the fact 
that you have the righteousness of God, that God's anger against you has been appeased, that you are no longer at enmity with God, that, that the bad things that happen to people that are directed by God are not going to happen to you. And you wear that breastplate of faith and love. And when he's talking about love in this context, God loves you. You put on the breastplate of the fact that God loves you. I have faith in the love of God. I have faith in the righteousness of God. And I know that I'm not appointed to wrath. I know that I'm appointed to good things. And no matter how bad things get on this earth, no matter how bad things get in this fallen body I'm living in, no matter how bad things get, I have faith that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, that everything is filtered through God's love for, for me. Everything that happens to me comes through the loving hand of God. And I have faith in that. And even the great tribulation, when that comes, I have faith that I won't be here because I'm not appointed to wrath. And that, because I have that faith in the love of God and in the righteousness of God, I wear the helmet of hope. I have a helmet on and it's hope. And nothing can penetrate my head because I have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have hope in his coming. I got to tell you, that night I was playing that game of, of hide and seek. If I had had a breastplate on and a helmet, I would have been just fine. Look, you're playing in the darkness. You're children of light, but you're playing in the darkness. So you got to put on that breastplate of faith. And you, faith comes from what? Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So you got to be in the word of God. You got to have your focus on the Lord. And you got to have your hope in the Lord. If you got hope and you got faith, nothing can touch you. You're covered. Nothing can hurt you. And how am I sure of my hope that I'm going to escape the great tribulation, that I'm going to escape the wrath of God? Look at verse number nine. For God did not appoint us. He doesn't say them or they. He says us. Who's the us? Those who are born again believers. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what. The best place in the entire Bible to prove that you're going to be raptured out of here is verse number 9 of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. The great tribulation is what? It is the wrath of God upon unbelieving, wicked men and women. Look, we're still pretty wicked, but we're believers. And we have faith in Christ and in his righteousness that we've been perfected forever by one offering, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that we are not appointed to wrath. The great tribulation is wrath. And when people tell me, I'm going through the great tribulation, when the, and, and, and we got to get ready for it, you, then that tells me you've been appointed to wrath. I have not been appointed to wrath. But for, for salvation, not on my own, 
but through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how I've been, that's how I know I won't go through the great tribulation. Because look at verse number 10. You want a sweet verse? You want a great verse? Jesus Christ, the Lord who died for us. Who died for us. Now logically think about that. He died for you and me for what reason? To make us sons and daughters of God. If he made me a son and daughter of God, his son and daughter, then is he going to pour out his wrath upon me? No. Now, he'll pour out his discipline upon me if I get out of line. But he won't pour out his wrath upon me. Because look at this. He, for, he says, who, the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep at his coming, we should live together with him forever. That's his goal. He died for you so you could live with him forever. Paul puts it like this in Romans chapter 5. He says, if we were reconciled to God through his death, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved through his life. Let me read that again. If we were reconciled to God, if God died for us, if, if, if through his death he died for us to save us, how much more will we be saved by his life? He didn't come to give us more death. He came to give us life. Christ did, let me put it another way. Christ didn't die for us so he could kill us in the great tribulation. That's why Paul says right here, whether we're awake when the Lord comes at the rapture or whether we sleep, whether we die before the rapture, we Live together with him. You know what? The rapture really, I believe, is the same event for all of us. There's one rapture, don't get me wrong, right before the great tribulation. But there's a lot of many raptures before that. You see people who know the Lord. When they die, they don't die. That body they put down, they lay down that old body. And to be absent from the body means to be present together with the Lord. They're raptured out of here. They're taken away. The angels take them to be with the Lord. And so the news is the same. If you're a born-again believer, the news is the same for you, whether you're, whether you're awake or uh, when the Lord comes, or you've already died, you're together with the Lord. And we'll be together with him at the wedding supper of the Lamb, I believe, for seven years. What a glorious seven years that's going to be. So we have this great hope because we have this great light in us. And we know that no matter how bad things get on this earth, we're going to be just fine. Just fine. Therefore, finish up verse number 11. Comfort, one, comfort each other and edify one another with this hope. Just as you also are already doing.
All right, so how do I get ready? The Lord's coming soon. Hear me. The Lord's coming soon. You better be ready. You better get ready. How do I get ready? First of all, I make sure that, I, that I'm something more than just calling myself a Christian, that I'm truly born again. That's simple. You just give your life to the Lord, and you trust him for your salvation, and you're born again. You'll know it. You'll know it. You might not see some great light. You might not have some supernatural. Well, you will have a supernatural experience. But you might not have something you hear or see, but you'll know there's a change in your heart. So I make sure I'm truly born again. I watch. I watch for the coming of the Lord. That means I live soberly by walking in the light as he is in the light. I walk in his truth, in his word. I walk in righteousness, in integrity. I do the right thing. I want to be doing the right thing when the Lord comes. And I wear the breastplate of faith because when I don't do the right thing, I know that I have the righteousness of God and that the blood of Christ cleanses me from all unrighteousness. And I got me a helmet. It's the helmet of hope. The hope that I have in the fact that one day the Lord, whether I wake or whether I sleep, the Lord's coming to get me and to take me to be with him in heaven. And then I be about the business of the Lord. And what's the business of the Lord? Paul tells us right here that we comfort one another, that we edify one another in the things of the Lord, especially in the things related to salvation and his second coming. The immediate salvation and the ultimate salvation. The immediate salvation of being born again and the ultimate salvation of the Lord's return where he comes and he takes control of things on this earth and he makes things right. What a hope we have. Over in Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus finishes the Olivet Discourse, he tells a parable. He tells a parable about ten virgins. Ten virgins who are waiting for the bridegroom, wanting to marry the bridegroom. Now, some people say they were bridesmaids because they don't want to talk about polygamy, but I think maybe he was talking about it. All of them were waiting for the bridegroom to marry the bridegroom. And there were ten virgins, five foolish virgins, and five wise virgins. The wise virgins were wise because they had oil in their vessels, the Bible says. What's the oil? What's oil always represent in Scripture? The Holy Spirit. So they had the Spirit of God. The five foolish virgins did not have oil in their vessels. And then the midnight cry came that the bridegroom is coming like the voice of the Lord. And the foolish virgins said to the wise virgins, give me some of your oil. Well, let me tell you something. If you're here today and the rapture 
takes place and the bridegroom comes for his bride, the church, and you want some of my oil, you're not getting any. First of all, I can't give it to you. Only the Lord can give it to you. But so the Lord and the bridegroom invites the five wise virgins into his chamber. And the foolish virgins are on the outside knocking, wanting to come in. They say, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. Watch what, listen what the Lord's answer. The Lord answered and said, Assuredly, I do not know you. Well, you. Well, I, we know you. We know that you're Jesus Christ. We know that you're the Lord. We know all about your, your, the cross and all of these things. But he says, I do not know you. Listen to me. You don't know the Lord until you have the spirit of the Lord living in you. Until you're born again. What's the lesson of the parable? Let me let Jesus give it to you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour that the Son of Man, the bridegroom, is coming for his bride, the church. So fill those lamps. Fill those lamps with the Spirit of God. Walk in light. Be ready. You're here today and you don't know that you're born again, you're not born again. And if the Lord comes for you, or if the Lord comes for his church, you're not going to be invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb, no matter how, how, how hard you knock on the door. So get ready. We all need to be ready. We all need to be living soberly and walking in the light as he, as he is in the light. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, what wonderful news we have that, that one day soon you're coming for your church. Lord, when you come, we want to be ready. And you've shown us how to be ready today, Lord. Lord, you've given us our start. You've given us the, the light. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've, you've given us the oil for our lamps. Now help us, Lord, to, to, to live soberly, to walk in the light as you're in the light, and to be ready on that day that you come. Lord, if there's anyone here in this room that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, they're not sure whether or not they're born again. Lord, it's a real simple process. You've shown us that and in your word. We simply put our faith in you. So help them to do that. Help today be the day of their salvation. Don't let them put that uh, event off any longer, Lord. The time is short. Press them. Press their hearts. And, and Lord... Uh, uh, bring them into your wonderful kingdom. We just thank you for the great hope we have in Jesus Christ, Lord, whether we live or whether we die. Before you come, we, that we will be together with you in glory forever. We just thank you for that great hope. We thank you uh, for Christ's blood. We thank you in his name. It's in his name I pray. Amen.